0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at the quiz. Fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share and of course, listen to the quiz at the quiz.fox. Governor, I don't know if you're able to you're near a screen at all or by your phone uh, watching, but you're seeing these protests outside our embassy in Lebanon. Uh, we got some Marines on the inside, but that's a scary situation.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, But I think a lot of that has been fueled by what you pointed out. You had media organizations uh, jumping the gun, pursuing a narrative about this hospital, basically taking the word of Hamas for it that this was somehow an IDF strike on a hospital when, in fact, it was a rocket uh, fired by Palestinian Islamic Jihad that misfired and and hit the hospital. And so the media ran with that. That stoked a lot of uh, rage throughout the region, and it was false. So I think this shows Israel what they're up against, because they obviously have to conduct operations to be able to eliminate Hamas and eliminate that threat once and for all. Uh, But they are going to be fighting in an environment uh, where so much of the media is going to be arrayed against them, so much of the intelligentsia internationally, United Nations, all these different things. And it's just important that America stand with them, uh, have moral clarity, and say, you know what. They were the victims of this attack. They have a right to protect their people. and They have a right to see this through.
0: Yeah, I would think so, uh, Governor. So we see that what's going on. We also see some uh, uprisings on the West Bank. Hezbollah has daily skirmishes with the IDF on the north and in the south. I think the land invasion was probably put off because President Biden came to town. Uh, here's what President Biden said this morning when he arrived. Cut one. Mr. Prime Minister, thank you very much. Look folks, uh, I wanted to be here today uh, for a simple reason. I want the people of Israel, the people of the world, to know where the United States stands. I've had my great Secretary of State here. He's been here for a lot. But I wanted to personally come and make that clear. Was it the right message?
1: Well, it's interesting, Brian, uh, because, you know, they will say U.S. stands with Israel. But what are they doing behind the scenes? What they're doing behind the scenes is really trying to restrain Israel. They want to be able to continue, incredibly, they want to be able to continue attempts to have a rapprochement with Iran. They have not done anything uh, to snap sanctions on Iran. They haven't done things to dry up some of the money that Iran's been sending to the Middle East. So I I think that they're behind the scenes making life more difficult for Israel to be able to conduct the operations that are going to be necessary to to bring this problem to to a conclusion once and for all. I mean, if you go in, just do some glancing blows, do some damage, you know, Hamas will, will come back, and then they're going to do it again. So we, we got to stop the cycle, and I don't think privately the administration uh, is doing what is conducive to that. I think they're more of a hindrance to Israel at this point.
0: Right, and, and with, before he got on board and one time when he was in the air, he found out that Egypt, Jordan, and the Palestinian Authority have all refused to see him because they said the hospital attacked by the IDF, which didn't happen. So what do you do if it's Governor DeSantis, President DeSantis, you decide to go to Israel, but you want to do some diplomacy with our so-called allies outside the Palestinian Authority, and they tell them, we don't want to see you. Should he have turned around?
1: Well, here's the thing. I- I'm not sure it was a good idea to go there and inject yourself uh, into a-, a situation like that. I mean, we, we can do policy uh, without doing that. When the president shows up, it creates all kind of complications. I mean, for example, we've been rescuing people from Israel. One of our flights now is on hold because of the airspace issues with, 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 Biden. So it creates a whole host of complications. You put yourself in a situation uh, where it's a very dynamic I would be doing it probably from the white house. Uh, I would be working with, with Egypt and Jordan. I mean, they're, they're, they're allies. Uh, I think it's interesting that um, they don't want anything to do with Palestinian Arabs, leaving the Gaza strip going into their countries. I mean, you would think that this has been a cause celeb throughout the Arab world for so many years with the, uh, a conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinian Arabs, and yet they say absolutely zero, not one uh, refugee. And I think that that's instructive, because I think that they view those refugees as creating a problem for their society if they were due. That's why I came out. I was the first presidential candidate to say, uh, we are not bringing to the United States uh, these Palestinian Arabs if they leave the Gaza Strip. I know there are people in the United States like uh, the squad and people on the far left that are saying we should import a million people from the Gaza Strip. That's a total non starter. We will not do any when I'm president.
0: Well, I mean, uh, and people were upset by that. They, uh, Margaret Brennan was taking you on on Face the Nation on Sunday. Uh, she obviously didn't like that. I don't think she's in sync with the American people. I think there are more Democrats now getting involved and saying, what the hell is going on in our border now and who is coming through?
1: And also, Brian, you know, the, the, the point that, you know, Brennan was trying to make and then Nikki Haley tried to make it this weekend, although she's backtracked, is that, well, you know, you have some people with Hamas, but then you have others that are more interested in, in freedom and all this stuff. And, and that's actually not the question. Obviously, you wouldn't import a terrorist, but if you're importing people from Gaza that have been taught to hate Jews, uh, that don't believe Israel has a right to exist, that think that, you know, Israel needs to be destroyed, we're importing pathology from that part of the world to our country, and that's not in the interest of the American people. The American people uh, will not benefit from that, so so I've said absolutely not. Now, I agree with you. I think most Americans, Republicans, independents, and now even a lot of Democrats understand when you see some of these protests and these demonstrations in our own country, when the blood wasn't even dry uh, from these Israelis who were massacred over there, you had people taking to the streets praising Hamas, in defense of Hamas. How do we get to that point uh, where that happens? So I think people are like, we've really got to take seriously who's coming into our country. Yes, illegally across the border, but who are we intentionally importing uh, right. with some of the things that have happened over the last many years? And so, so that's the right decision. Now, the elites the elites don't care about uh, the American people. They have their own agenda. So elite media and and other elites in government, they would have a different view than me, but, but my My view, I think, is is what has support from broad uh, cross sections of the American public.
0: So Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics and entertainment. Subscribe now on Fox News dot com or
1: wherever you download podcasts.
0: You know, Governor Santis, uh, the thing that surprised me most about this whole thing has been the protests. I mean, I walk down Times Square six blocks from where I am right now, and there's a huge rally in support of what Hamas did in New York City. And it didn't stop there. There was two more. Yesterday, there were dueling protests pro-Hamas, pro-Israel at uh, Washington Square Park in New York City. You know it's happening all over the country. And now you you have an Ivy League background. you got Yale and Harvard in your background. Both colleges seem to be have professors and student bodies that are pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas. How does it's, that happen?
1: It's unbelievable. You know, I, I I joke with people. I say, you know, on the campaign trail, I'm like, look, I'm one of the few people that have gotten through. Harvard and Yale and came out more conservative than when I went in. And that's not easy to do because of the leftist viewpoints. But I will say, as left as it was when I was going through that, and I rejected it, and it kind of made me more conservative, it's gotten a lot worse um, in the last couple decades. I mean, it's gotten to the point, you know, I don't think after 9-11, you had protests on Ivy League campuses praising what had happened, praising the terrorists or doing anything like that. Um, Now, you have protesters praising brutal terrorists on those campuses, signing letters, and I think it's totally appropriate, and indeed, these businesses should be doing that. If there are students that are signing that in defense of Hamas, they, they get offers of employment rescinded, they, they get fired from internships and all those other things. That's a no-brainer. I mean, just imagine how Ivy League universities you know, would respond or how they've responded uh, in other situations. This one is one of the most egregious things you can imagine and yet they're so quiet with it. I will tell you this, though, Brian, in Florida, if you look at the statements that were put out by the University of Florida president, Florida state president, you know, they came out very strongly against Hamas and very strongly in favor of Israel and our Jewish students. And I was proud to see that. We've worked really hard to to get our universities away from being indoctrination centers and focusing on the classic mission, classical mission of pursuing truth and preparing our kids to be citizens of the republic. And I think you see it paying off and how they responded to this.
0: Last foreign policy question. You know, we know Iran is our real enemy. We know Iran is the enemy of most in the Middle East. That is what the Abraham Accords were based off of, a common enemy, Iran, not Israel. So having said that, you've seen the, the, the reapproachment from the Biden administration. From now on, if you got this ball in the Middle East, which is a ball of fire right now, knowing Iran finances Hezbollah, Islamic Jihad, as well as uh, uh, Hamas— And who knows what other group and Wall Street Journal says they orchestrated this whole thing using their Revolutionary Guard Force, Soleimani's replacement. And they did it in Beirut. And there's been no pursuit to find out about the genesis of that story. How do you handle this without causing a world war or do you risk it?
1: Well, look, you assume this could not have happened without iranian patronage i mean the idea that this is even a question uh, is a joke of course they've do that all the, the terrorism that's been fomented in the middle east in the last 25 years overwhelmingly has been iran i mean when i was in in, in iraq serving on active duty there was a lot of attention on the sunni jihadists the al qaeda in iraq and they were they were a, a force but most of our own combat deaths at the time were from iranian funded militias people that were directed by Suleimani. So they have a lot of American blood on their yeah. hands. They did the Beirut bombing and our Marines in eighty three. They funded Hezbollah on that. This is just what they do. So what Biden needs to do he needs to reverse his policies that have given sustenance to the regime them in a financial box. That's one of the reasons I want to increase our energy production at home, because when we're energy dominant, that's bad for Russia, Iran, China, and Venezuela. Uh, If you pursue a Green New Deal in this country, just understand you are benefiting Iran. You are benefiting Russia. You are benefiting China. So reversing the nation's energy policy, being independent and dominant, I think is very important. But I think it's choking them off on that. And I do think Getting a Saudi-Israeli peace deal, I think it's complicated now, given what's going on. But I think Biden dropped the ball on that. He could have done that in his first year. That creates the the front mm-hmm. of the Gulf Arab states, Israel, and the United States uh, against Iran. It makes it harder for the Iranians uh, to to do what they want to do in the region when you have a united front.
0: Have you qualified for the debates already? Oh yeah, yep. So you're in the going to be in the fourth debate, and you got a field of about eight right now.
1: Third, you're- third debate.
0: Uh, third debate. Uh, so we got the third debate. So what do you think? What is the game plan to closing the gap with the former president?
1: Well, one, I think just the fact that he's been missing in action on so much of this stuff. Um, He doesn't think he needs to go out uh, and debate and I don't think that that's what I'm seeing on the ground in Iowa and New Hampshire. I think those voters think you have to earn their vote Uh, so I'm showing up not only at debates, but I've done 80 of the 99 counties in Iowa. I'm going to do all 99. I'll be the only candidate to do that and we're uh, starting a big New Hampshire push with the town halls and everything. So that's really what you you have to do. Um, You know, on this issue, what we've seen here, you know, I've been leading on it. Uh, we led on the refugees. Now every candidate's followed suit. We've led on planning the flag, say don't send aid to the Gaza Strip. All that's going to do is Hamas is going to commandeer that, uh, and they're going to use that. You seek the, re- the, the uh, release of hostages and the unconditional defeat of Hamas, and that should be our focus, not sending money that they're going to be able to use. So we're really leading on these issues. I think the debate will show that we've been able to lead. On these issues, and look, people are going to have to make a judgment. Now that we're getting closer, uh, you are seeing more voters pay closer attention. And I think the question is: is you know, we've got to win this election in 2024. I've got a great record of political success, but more importantly than that, right. we've got to deliver on all these things, Brian. We talk about it. You know, this border. Remember, that was Donald Trump's number one promise. And uh, had he built the wall and had Mexico pay for it, Biden would not have been able to get away with all the nonsense he's. Done So we've got to deliver, and I have a record of delivering on 100 percent of my promises as governor in a way that no governor has been able to do. And we'll do the same thing as president. I but think that's what people want to see. It,
0: but as you know, Paul Ryan gave him $1.4 billion. He had to repurpose defense funds because nobody came across for him. Well, but that's the thing.
1: But, but, yeah, but Brian, are you a leader or not? Do you get things done or you're not? I mean, that's an excuse that, oh, you know, that you had a Republican Congress. You're the leader. You need to deliver this. This should yeah. have been a day one priority. He should have declared it a national emergency on day one. He could have repurposed funds on day one if he wanted to do it. And he could have told Paul Ryan, I'm not doing your tax bill. I'm not doing anything until you deliver what we need to do. And he didn't turn those screws on them. He really turned the legislative agenda over to Ryan. Ryan and Ryan didn't want a wall. Ryan was a pre-Trump Republican. He was a, a, an establishment Republican. He, he he is weak on immigration. So that was, a, that's you know, it's all about leadership. So are you delivering the results or not? And, like, I don't want to be in a situation where we're making excuses again about why things haven't all gotten right, done. Governor, you got to find a way to get things
0: done. I know you're busy, but on Sunday, 60 Minutes did a whole feature on immigration. You know what they focused on? The the flights to Martha's Vineyard. Do you think they are <laughs> they are targeting you because of the way— uh, you went back at them when they tried to nail you on the vaccines. <laughs>
1: I, I didn't. I don't watch sixty minutes, so I didn't. I didn't see what was happening. But um, you know, I think that they've obviously uh, not not uh, covered themselves in glory with a lot of the things that they've done. When they tried to target me over the COVID stuff, it really blew up in their face. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of, they've lost a lot of credibility over the years.
0: All right, Governor, what's your final message? I know you got to run.
1: No excuses in 24. We got to get the job done. I'll get the job done, and I won't let you down as president. Thanks. Uh,
0: it's, he's going to be hard to outwork, I'll tell you that. Governor Ron DeSantis, thanks so much.
1: See you. The
0: Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.